you guys seem to be pals. It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It I was mean. a debate. <laughs> so you don't mean it. It was a debate. That the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. Everyone I understand. Traveled to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate, where there would be a debate of differences of opinion and issues. Okay. I am 1,000% supportive of Joe Biden, and I will, again, do everything I can to make sure he is elected. All right, and what do we thought? What better way to kick off the final night of the final presidential debate um, than using a little clip from one of my favorite clips? Well, if you want to call it favorite, more like, uh, you know, it just... Definitely one of the more cringy moments, I feel like, of an interview. It's like, hey, why did you say all these mean things? And then you just say the word debate over and over again in six different contexts. And that uh, that then is like, oh, okay, that makes sense because it does. But we get the final showdown tonight, if we can even call it that anymore, um, <laughs> based on the last one. You know, they talked about uh, cutting mics this time and we got the topics though. So we'll see. We'll see if it's any different, any better. I don't really think it will be. As my friend said earlier, it's like, look, if you, if something from tonight changes your mind, you know, you should probably just be questioning yourself entirety as far as your, 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 your knowledge base. Cause let's be real. This is more like WWE entertainment type stuff and less, um, <laughs> And less actual substance. Like, I, I find myself excited, but not in, not in like the excited, like, oh, I'm excited to see this wonderful exchange of ideas and to see, you know, them duke it out and who can, you know, may the best idea win. It's like, no, I'm ready to see uh, a train wreck, <laughs> you know, basically equivalent to a fork and a blender. Um, but I know that the fork is going in the blender. So somehow that makes it okay. And I can almost relax and just enjoy and laugh at it, I guess more than actually intake it. So, I mean, it's actually a double whammy tonight. If you listen to our last episode, we have the first round of the duper bowl, um, with the NFC lease teams, the, uh, wingless Eagles and the baby giants, uh, take on, but we're not here to talk about that. So it's, you have for terrible TV tonight, the, the options are plenty, right? If you're a sports fan, you want to get some good sports, Sorry, you're you're getting the duper bowl. And if you're a political fan and you're looking for some politics, sorry, you're getting the the final presidential debate. So here we are. I'm not going to talk about the debate. I'm not going to talk about the last debate. What I'm actually going to do is, in lieu of that, we're just we're we're under two weeks away from the election. I know so many people have already voted, sent in their absentee ballots, and you know I'm I'm just going to vote on election day like normal, but. And that's not a shot at people who are doing absentee. Vote whatever way you can vote and get and best get your vote out there. I mean, I personally, if you're absentee, I recommend don't mail it. Just go to your county election board and drop it off directly there because that's where it's going to be counted and that'll guarantee it gets there on time. And you technically can still do that, you know, 95% contact free. So, yeah, there's that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So, in lieu of that, I am going to, if you haven't figured it out right now, you know, by now listening to me, if you haven't listened to me enough, I'm going to kind of lay out 
my reasons for voting. And, uh, or I should say, for voting for the big DJT, you know, your boy uh, Trumpius and Donald, Donaldus Trumpius. So, and, and try and not do not do what I think our politics have devolved into, where it's oh, you have so many people voting one way or the other because they just hate, they dislike the other guy so much that the, that it drives them to it's like no 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 I don't like you so much that I'm going to do the other thing it's kind of like the classic teenager bit where it's like alright look I really don't like you know your parents your authority figure whoever is like I, they don't like it when you do this so what are you going to do you're going to do exactly that not necessarily because you personally enjoy doing that or even want to do that but because um, it is antithetical to what someone else wants or likes and so you're going to do that being a petty pest now on some on some level i think it's we're, we're already at the point where it's like look we we can't necessarily like there's no escaping it right like my view is we're, we're so deep now it's like you might as well make a choice and just go one way or the other but uh, I'm, I'm i've tried like i i made a huge note and there were so many reasons and so many different things but I wanted to kind of simplify it and do bullet points and try and focus on what I would say what, you know, what like actual reasons. So not necessarily, yes, there are going to be, you know, you have the things like this person is a mean guy or he says some nasty things or he did something gross. And it's like, find me a politician who hasn't done one or all of those things and uh, I'll... And uh, I will dub you a liar because there's not. They're not out there. They don't exist, right? And so that's that's not the mainstay. And on that note, I just will say one of the at least – and I know there are, you know, there are more purely policy reasons, things like that. But honestly, one of the biggest cases I would – and I'm paraphrasing here. The biggest cases, the anti-Trump cases I find myself running into more often than not is um, – Orange man bad or, you know, I just don't like the way he talks. Like, and that's not necessarily, that's not a direct quote, but that's the simplest way to sum it up. Like, I don't like the way he talks and acts. And it's it's like, okay. Uh, now, on some level, yeah, I mean, we're, we're actually in agreement there. There are some things I like he does, but then there's a lot of things. Like, he t- tweets a Babylon B article. Like, it's real. And it's like, dude, come on. You're the president. Like, at least take a, take take five more seconds, please. Because it's like, you, you do... You do some good stuff, right? There's a lot of good stuff, and you could disagree with me, but there's a lot of good stuff he's done, and unfortunately, it just gets overshadowed by stupid little petty stuff like that that he does that then drives people to be like, yeah, why would I vote for that guy? Because he uh, mistakenly tweets Babylon B for real news, and it's like, I'm like, well, hey, here's a laundry list of actual policy that he's done, so that's what I'm here to do, so... One big thing, and I've kind of pulled this more from Tim Pool, and I think a lot of people feel felt this symptom, and that's what got him to this place in the first place, right? So, is he's not establishment, he's not a politician, he has never done anything political, he's been a businessman, and that he has been a businessman for the last fifty years, and he only del- delved into politics within the last, you know, literally five years, and so not a polish 
politicians, these anti-establishment, if you will, right? Because everyone knows that D.C. a lot of times is what we call establishment on both sides. Establishment Republicans and Democrats, these people who get in, they get into public office, they're there for decades upon decades, they, they, they get big money from lobbyists and special interests, and they really don't actually, a lot of them, you can make the argument, like they actually really don't care all that much about their constituents and actually um, what they care about. They care about staying in office and, you know, getting, um, living their fat, cushy lives. And there's, so there's, there's, there's that, right? And when I sit back and I look at these two candidates, what do I say? What do I see? I see a guy who's been in four years, done quite a bit, uh, been a successful businessman, really rough around the edges, but in terms of policy, I think has done um, a ton of good, right? And that's and that's and that's what I try and make my main driving force in why why I'm voting, you know, for who I'm voting. Because in a world that is that is swampy politics that we have, where everyone's dirty on some level, right? Everyone's done some shady stuff, and it's just like, okay, so you're all pretty you're all pretty corrupt, pretty immoral people. But who has the best policy? Because at the end of the day, um, as as long as you're not, I mean, if you're not promoting tyranny. But your your policy is promoting what I would call good policy. Then we can you know we can I I, I can cast my vote for you, right? So <clears throat> that's the first thing, right? You got Trump, who's been in been at four years, versus you have Biden, forty seven years. Yes, forty seven. Got it when he was twenty nine um, back in the seventies, and has been a was a senator up until he was vice president and then now is finally running for president and so uh it's it, honestly when i look at him what do i see i see somebody who made a career made a life made a livelihood off of being a politician that is not technic that is not i'm not saying that's bad and that's evil but at the same time a lot of times that's it's just like you get that is case in point establishment right that is, you are, you are in the system. You've been in the system. You you are the system for the last forty seven years, right? Like you've been a part of that, and so uh, it's hard. You know how how much, what can I take you, you know what can I ta- how can I take what you say at face value necessarily when it's like, dude, you've been doing this fifty years, and like, and you know, show me the laundry list of what you've done. And it's like you, when you talk about, you know, the system and the establishment being the problem, it's like you have been in that. You are a part of that. Now you are one person. And so that being said, it's like, look, that's a, that's actually become surprisingly a big point for me. And so if you don't know who Tim Pool is, check him out. He's, I really like him because he's, he's, he's just a gen, generic contrarian. He always says, I don't like Democrats. I don't like Republicans. And he, he, he has turned into, he's voting for Trump. He doesn't love him necessarily. He's not a MAGA guy, but he is, um, but he does like how he's not establishment, right? Because basically Trump came in a billionaire and he's, uh, his net, his net worth has gone down. And so what that means is like when you're, when you already have the money, right? that makes that makes him insulated on some level from special interests and lobbyist groups because he then it's like dude I'm already rich I don't what you want to give me $500,000 whatever I made that last month like that's nothing to me that's pocket change and whereas on the, the other side where it's like oh look I'm just a, a new senator you know you get I don't know what their salaries are 100 you know you're you're in the six figures you're the low six figures and you get offered you know $75,000 for this lobby group and that lobby group and it's like next thing you know you're a millionaire it's like hmm you can get roped in pretty darn easily so they're they're that's become actually a, a pretty big point for me right and so I look at it and say establishment versus anti-establishment and like I said earlier there is plenty 
of like dirt, like surface level dirt of both both people saying bad things, doing dumb stuff. I'm here to try and really more focus on like con- what I would call concrete reasons, right? And I think a lot of people who feel this way because personally, I vo- I I did the I did the stick it to you vote in 2016 and voted third party and but now it's like no no, no I'm staunchly um, voting Trump. I like what he's done. He has what I would call a surprisingly good record, right? When you want to talk about the best economy and whether we, we can have an argument about whether he picked that up from the Obama Biden years. But uh, one argument I would have is like, look, you picked up a good economy and then you exploded that good economy to to meet 50 to make 50 year um, records. It's like if you were a bad president, you would think they would stall it out, plateau it or tank it. And none of the three have happened. And anybody who tries to bring up the stupid argument that three until the fourth year, it was good and is so disingenuous because you're ignoring the fact that there was a global pandemic and it doesn't matter who was in office. This economy is because it's a pandemic and it's not because uh, of, of, of presidential policy. It's because when you have a global pandemic, guess what? So half the world's economy stopped and things, you know, China had parts of it shut down and uh, you had, a PPE crisis, not just here, but globally, because so many of that was sourced from China. So I've seen that argument made, and it really is starting to annoy me because it's so disingenuous. But uh, surprisingly good record. So you can talk about the economy. You can talk about record low black unemployment since they started tracking it in 1960. Um, and you also had the high wage growth for um, blacks and Hispanics. So minorities had higher um, wage growth than percentage-wise, than the uh, white population. So you had minority, you had investment and opportunity zones, which allows for low-income neighborhoods, which is disproportionately like African-American, Hisp- um, Hispanics, Latinos, etc. You have that. Um, that's an investment in historic, permanent investment in HBCUs in the middle of a pandemic to try and make sure that they are fully funded. Okay, sounds pretty good to me. Which, by the way, all of this, I don't care if... You, like people want to talk about it's subliminal and subversive racism now. It's not overt, but even if it was, you would your policies wouldn't enact things like this to try and provide a cover, right? These are too overtly good for um, for for so many different ethnic groups. It's like it's the case. Any case for racism, you know, falls flat on its face here. But <clears throat> surprisingly good record like that. You have the First Step Act, which helps in. Uh, criminal justice reform, you know, which it helps nonviolent uh, drug offenders and um, helps deal with mass incarceration, which if you want to look at the other side of things, you had Biden who passed the 94 crime bill, which actually was notorious for it had an assault rifle ban and a uh, and helped with mass incarceration, which disproportionately affected African-Americans. You guess it. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. So it's, you know, it's a lot of this is night and day. Now, obviously, it's once again, it's always my side of things, but <clears throat> I'm trying to pull from as much as I, uh, you know, just just factual policy evidence. So you have historic Middle East peace deal recently with you. Well, first of all, let's back that up. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem like so many like presidents before promised to do never done. He actually did it. And guess what? The world didn't end. Nobody got nuked. Same thing with historic Middle East peace deal between Israel and the UAE and Saudi Arabia is expected to join that. And it's like, hold on, this is something that we've never really seen. You had the ending of ISIS. You had the killing of um, uh, Soleimani, who was one of the most notorious um, terrorists of our time. And he was out. 
you have a, and this is a personally a big issue for me. You have, he was the first president to speak at the March for Life and actively um, be vocal about being pro-life on the stance on abortion. And if you've listened to my podcast at all, you know that's where I stand, right? And that's actually a big issue for me. So, like. I think for me, what it comes down to is fundamental principles and such that line up with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and then and then abortion falls in line for me. It's like I'm honestly when I look at candidates now, I'm like, are you you know what what is your stance? Because I will maintain that somebody I could I could still see myself voting for someone who's not totally pro life if every if 99% lines up. It's like look, I could probably. It depends, right? If you're like up to birth and even post birth, it's like we'd probably still have a problem because that could be, for me, that's just too egregious. But you have um, a large effort to make the U.S. energy independent. Over the last three or four years, we've seen an explosion of that. So he's also shed a light on human trafficking, done executive orders to help um, fight that. You have historic tax cuts, which people always say, oh, it's just for the big corporations. Well, then how come the average per- the average family paid $1,200 less in taxes and saw $4,000 more on average in wage growth, more in their, directly into their pockets? This is the average household of four. Pence references, references in the debate. You can go find it. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll see if I can put some of these links below, but honestly, go just go do the research on your own because it's going to be more beneficial for you to take the time than to just say if I put all the links links up and then you just come back at me for it. So he technically this one this one I don't really it, it's kind of funky, right? But this one is he he's technically the first president to support gay marriage going into office. Obama technically never did that, but I feel like we're all on the same page with that right now. So that's not a huge deal, but he. He, he does support uh, term limits in Congress and moving moving toward that. And he has uh, talked about cutting drug prices to stop the price gouging and, and things with insulin and, and, and whatnot. You have the Platinum Plan, which is uh, which made the KKK domestic terrorist or organization made lynching a federal hate crime. And there's uh, some other things that go along, I think, with an, uh Crap, what am I trying to say? With opportunity zones and things like that. And recently you had Ice Cube coming out and saying like, hey, uh, he wanted to sit down with me. CNN canceled me. And so guess what? Trump 2020, fools. And it's just like Ice Cube's literally just saying, look, you guys don't want to talk to me on this side, but this guy's at least willing to talk to me, whether I think he's bad or not. He's at least willing to talk to me and talk about seeing what we can get done for my community. And so there you go. So those are what I would call kind of my big, big points for Trump, right? And that's and going back to the beginning of the episode, this episode where I talked about it's mostly about like I don't like I don't like this about the other candidates so I'm being pushed for. So that's why I tried to lead off with mostly I know there's a couple nuggets dropped in there. Mostly saying like look, this is my reasons for Trump. It's not necessarily here's my reasons against Biden and boom, that's why I'm voting Trump. It's like no, no, no. There is actual hard evidence for Trump and just to cover my basis here, he has condemned white supremacy multiple, multiple times. There's a video where he that you can find online. Where it's a compilation, and I think he does it 17 times. Now, like three or four of those are specifically David Duke, but we all know who David Duke is, right? And on that note, Richard Spencer, who has come out and actually endorsed Joe Biden. So if you don't know who Richard Spencer is, look him up. But those those would be my big reasons and like I said I was I was trying to like I have reasons for it right so now let's flip the script and let's talk about why I won't and wouldn't vote for Biden right the first one we already touched on is the as the the more into politics I get and the more I I try and 
versed myself on policies and things, the more I find myself really not liking, and this is, and, and this is, this is really nonpartisan, liking career politicians, right? I spend in 25 plus years in office. And like we have, for instance, here in Oklahoma, we have Inhofe who's like freaking, he's in his eighties and he's still in the Senate. And it's just like, can we put a can can 80 be the cap can 80 be the cap or something i don't know but term limits please because this is this is ridiculous i don't because the founders intended this to be not a full-time job not a career right it was you had leaders in the community come together do their civic duty to serve the people and take part in a limited go- limited government that is our uh, republic and then, but then you would go back to your life part of the time, and that's why they don't work. You know, they don't work three sixty five. They have certain periods of in session and and all that things. And so there's there's like I said at the beginning, that's kind of my that's a big point now for me is he's establishment, and if I have a choice between establishment and anti-establishment, and I can have a a, a lot of uh, boxes checked for the anti-establishment in terms of policy and things. Guess what? Anti-establishment, and so that's where I'm going. Not only that, though, I know that. Uh, it's not super clear, but I know that uh, Joe Biden is pro-abortion, and I'm not going to say pro-choice because that they're for for personal reasons. But he is pro-abortion, right? He is for that as part of being quote unquote healthcare. So there's another strike for me where it's like, look, I'm big pro-life, not not for that. Recently, I went to his site, and because someone told me, hey, go look at his gun plan. So his gun plan includes like such policies <laughs> that. That say one of them said negligent uh, possession of a firearm in in the presence of a minor, even if the minor doesn't get possession of the firearm. So basically, what it sums up to, I botched that. But basically, what that sums up to is, if I had a gun in my house and say it's like next to my bed in a case or whatever, and there's a minor in my house, and s- they don't even have to get possession of that gun just by that situation being a thing, right? It's in my room, but he could be in the kitchen, but there, but he'd be in the house that I, I could be, I could be prosecuted and be convicted of a crime for that and, and, and extending things like that. And, you know, there's things like red flag laws. There's basically there's certain restrictions, you know, obviously wants to eventually support a ban on assault rifles. And he, there's even mention of a, a voluntary buyback or you can or if you don't want it but if you don't want to give it up then you have to register your gun and there's uh, high capacity magazines which is a super vague term anytime you're making big policy like this especially regarding regarding foundational rights recognized by our constitution not given by our constitution recognized meaning because these are endowed by our creator to quote founding documents right and these rights are a part of that and so you need specificity. <clears throat> High capacity assault weapons, not super specific. It's it's really the look of an AR-15. They say militarized style guns and things like that. And it's like, you, you're not going to get me until you get specific. And then we can have a real conversation. So there's a lack of specificity there. And so there's certain restrictions on the Second Amendment rights that I believe are infringing on the Second Amendment that I found in his plan on his website. And you can go look it up. It's super extensive and there's a lot of topics. And I'm not going to spend 10 hours on that. So, but <clears throat> there's another reason right there. Uh <laughs> As as I so eloquently put it in this note here, I said Biden is a shell company for the far left and far left policies. And basically what I mean by that is I think we're all aware of the 
like honestly, it's it's apparent cognitive decline in whatever way, shape, or form. He's old, and the signs of age are showing. People obviously speculate speculate about a dementia and stuff. And it's like, look, I'm not gonna get. Not, I won't even dive down that rabbit hole, right? I'll pull back from that. But like, there is like, he's not firing on all cylinders. If he's a, if he's a V8, he's firing on four, maybe five cylinders at best. And it's just apparent. I mean, you can go find so many gaffes, so many clips, so many things like that. There's obviously the creepy hair sniffing thing, but that's the, you know, we're not going to go down that path, right? But there's cognitive decline, and we've already seen Pelosi talk about getting a committee ready for the 25th Amendment, which basically, with the vice president, and I think it's, is it the House or the Senate, one of the two, or no, the cabinet, sorry, they can declare the president unfit and remove him, remove them from office. And so, really, in a lot of ways, you have to look at Kamala Harris and say, all right, is she, honestly, I, I personally think that a vote for Biden-Harris is really a vote for Harris because I believe that within six months of if he wins being in office, they'll invoke the 25th Amendment, he'll be removed, and you'll have President Kamala Harris and everyone freak out because it's the first woman president and she's a woman of color and they'll put all the emphasis on that and we won't worry about policy. So, and it'll be all hunky-dory, right? Uh, and then, now last... Uh, not least you have the scandal coming out with Hunter Biden where it's, there's lots of questionable stuff coming out where it's like, look, he used his position of power, you know, and, and like, and this comes back to the whole career politician, right? You made your name, you've made your money, you've made your career off of politician. What happens when you become a politician, you become public figure and then you leverage that, whether it's you directly because that's illegal. So he doesn't. So he does it through his son, Hunter, and then even his brother tying it in, which he was his Burisma stuff. And, these energy companies where it's like you get payment here. And then if you want to go as far, so far to say the Ukrainian deal where you had the prosecutor fired and that prosecutor happened to be looking into Burisma and his son on the board. And then he leveraged aid money in the form of a billion dollars to get that guy fired. And it's like, look, we can go down that. I'm not going to call it conspiracy rabbit hole, but we can go down that rabbit hole, but I'm not really, but basically it's super questionable. And then if we want to talk about, no, we're not going to talk about that. Right. But, all in all, that is my, that's where my brain's at. That's where my head's at. And that's my case, right? I've spent the last week or so kind of trying to compile things and figure it out and figure out a, a decent, a decently coherent way to lay it out. And hopefully that was coherent. I don't know. We'll see. But that's, I mean, that's by and large kind of my case for Trump, right? In, in the final debate. And, uh, I'm, I'm contemplating putting sources in the description, or not, I kind of want people to do research on their own, but uh, I might throw a few in there. I might th throw a few in there. So if you see if you see a few links in there, I think it's always good to provide some form of sources. And I found sources for, I think, uh, just about everything in here. Some of it is, you know, it's stuff you've heard time and time again. And so it's like you've heard it from so many different sources where it's like, all right, this is, this is a given fact now. And so uh, I'll just kind of close with, once again, it's like try and step back and look. Actually look at what he's done actually look at what Biden's done, compare the two. Like you have stuff like, you know, Biden, this is way back in the day and this might be a little unfair. I don't think it is necessarily, but he was against, he was against busing. He was against desegregation. He was um, associating with known segregationists in the Senate. And then you have things like the 1994 crime bill and things like that. And so it's just like, honestly, there's some bad policy in his past. And there's, and then, if you want to fast forward up to here, it's like you have all this questionable stuff with the Ukraine aid negotiating and his son's his son being on boards and stuff like that. So, you know, try and step back and look at that. And, and really, I, I would just say if you're if you're kind of a never Trumper or um, I won't say TDS because 
<laughs> I want to try. I, I don't want to. I don't want to turn people away necessarily. But but if you find yourself kind of in that Never Trump uh, campus, I just I would just challenge you to just say like, look, step back, look at it, and if you can honestly say like, hey, no, the policies coming from Biden's side is what I like more, and it's not just necessarily, and just and just question like, okay, am I. Am I against it because orange man bad and I really, really don't like the way the guy talks and his personality? Then, okay, that is one thing. But can we can we also look at the policy and say, all right, where are the scales at? Because right now, what I'm finding from all the policy, it far outweighs how rough he is around the edges. Because honestly, we've seen that even though people said, you know, they're going to think we're weak, they're not going to take us seriously. It's like, well, how we get historic peace deals? You know, how did he actually get a meeting between North and South Korea? Like, how did, like, yeah, he's met with... He's met with Kim in North Korea and, you know, it's like we've actually we've been we've been tough on China and things like he's actually accomplished stuff, you know, and there there are there are good things he's done. There's stupid things there's he said, but by and large, there are uh, I, I like all the policy that I'm seeing now. I've seen some stuff regarding like environmentalism where it's like mm, not the best, but just want to say that in 2019, the U.S. was leading the world in their carbon, our CO2 emissions reduction. And so in how much we reduced our CO2 emissions, we increased them in 2018, but then we dropped them heavily in 2019. So it's like, hmm, something to be said about that. But I think that's my case. That's, wow, half hour? Really? Jeez. I'm, and that was just like, that was like the super, super bullet points too. So anyways, that's my case. Uh, if you want to, if you want to hear maybe a more, uh, articulate case, uh, Ben Shapiro put out like an eight minute video on like all his reasons, but those, those are my big reasons. And it's like, look, he's convinced me and I I'm convinced by the evidence and we can talk about whether you, you know, you're like, well, oh, I just, I just really don't like the guy. I don't think he's a good guy. And it's like, that's fine. But at this point, you know, it's so swampy, right? You look at both people and it's like, there's plenty of things I can find that I don't like about both candidates. So let's talk. What are they actually going to do? What are they actually going to do in the policy? And I'll reiterate the, the, the important fact here is really keeping up with the local politics that are being on your ballot. We got a lot of, if you're in Oklahoma, there's a lot of other stuff on the ballot that you need to check out and you need to get informed on because that really affects your day-to-day more than the president does. And I think we've definitely hit a point where we give the president too much weight because the president, yeah, we're supposed to be a figurehead, but emphasis on the figurehead part. The president wasn't supposed to have a ton of power, right? Is Our whole system is set up on separation of powers, checks and balances, right? And so you have states and localities that have powers, and then you have the federal government, which kind of is a unifying body, but it's not supposed to be federal and then all the way, and, and they just kind of control everything everywhere because guess what? We live in an extremely broad, diverse country. So that's my case. I would love to know your case, any arguments, rebuttals, things like that. And I do have a fun announcement on that note. So if you made it this far, guess what? You've got to reach the fun announcement. The fun announcement is I figured out a way to set up a text line. Yeah, you heard that right. A text line. So not only, so if you don't like going down the prospect of email, right? And which is the rambling Viking at gmail.com. And you don't want to, you don't want to have to go and type up an email and, and send it and do it, go, go all through that trouble. I mean, we can, we live in a texting generation, you know, they'd rather text than call. We we're doing, you know, doing that, sending emojis. I have a phone number that you can text and you can text into the show and text in comments. You can, text in questions, anything like that. And we can, you know, I'll bring them up on air. And so I figured out a way to do that. So you can, you can email the rambling Viking at gmail.com, or you can text the following number. And if you feel like you're going to frequently do that, make sure to save this number as the rambling Viking podcast, right? So it's area code 580 shady 580 789 9258. 
Say that one more time, 580-789-9258. And you can text that number and it'll, it'll come It'll come to me, come to the show, and I'll be able to read it. And you can send all your questions, your comments, what have you. You can send links, you know, if you find links to sources and things like that. And uh, I might even text back because I can text back from that number. But I'll most likely address it on the show. But, yeah, we now have a text line. Super, super, super exciting. So uh, thanks so much for watching tonight. Would love to know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching both the Duper Bowl and the Derbait, um, the Derp Bait, because that's what it's going to be. Uh, that didn't flow well, but the debacle, I should call it, the Duper Bowl and the debacle. I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of simultaneously watching both. Probably going to mute the football game and then watch the debate. And I know a lot of people, honestly, if you want to have a lighthearted good time, you should make up a drinking game, right? And be like, all right, every time Joe Biden stutters, every time Donald Trump interrupts, every time the moderator asks Donald Trump about white supremacy, every time the moderator asks Joe Biden about Supreme Court, like stuff like that, right? And, you know, make it fun. And so then you're looking for those things. I think I'm going to stick with what me and my buddy are doing, which is we are going to base our drinking game off of the football game. So because they're two trash teams, so it's going to be a turnover, a sack, or a fumble will equate to taking a drink because we both anticipate that there will be um, a good amount of those. And watch watch there be none of those, and it's horrible. But uh, we'd love to know if you guys have any um, any games you're playing with this. Uh, are, which one are you watching? Are you going to watch both? Are you going to flip back and forth? How do you think it's going to go? I mean, I honestly, like I said, I, I have no expectations for this. I really don't. I don't think it's going to really be that good so but i'm still gonna find a way to enjoy it and have fun would love to know all your thoughts like i said it's the rambling viking at gmail.com or that's 580-789-9258 and i hope everyone has a great night and we'll see you next time